Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, how to try and to F it up in a very, very humble opinion. I am Giles Alderson and we are delighted to have on the podcast today the fantastic Jessica Hines. She's an amazing actress. You will know her from Space or uh, from Years and Years or 2012 or Paddington 2 or Nativity Rocks or Bridget Jones 2 or 3 or Shaun of the Dead, Confetti, The Magicians or Doctor Who or a film I love, Son of Rambo. Um, but she's also a writer. She wrote Spaced uh, and um, Learners, which is on BBC One. She's also produced and she's also directed the fantastic film The Fight. Um, it is so good. We are going to talk about that today. We sit and talk with the lovely Jessica all about why you need to leave the actor at the door when you're directing. We also talk about working with DLPs, colours and themes and why she brought extra eyes to set with her to work certain scenes. And we also talk about working with great directors. The Fight is an incredible film. I loved this movie and it stars Jessica Hines as Tina Bell who is determined to ditch the dysfunctional and beat her inner demons. So she puts on fighting gloves, stepping into the boxing ring to punch up her self-worth. Uh, it stars Jessica Hines obviously as Tina, Rona Mitra, um, Sean Parks, Robert James Collier, Sally Phillips, Anita Dobson, Alice Lowe, Christopher Fairbank and the fantastic Kathy Tyson. Russell Brand also makes a cameo. Um, it is produced by uh, Maggie Monteith, David Wade, Noel Clark and Jason Mazza who in fact put us in touch so thank you Jason for setting this up. And I'm delighted to be co-hosted with today Christian James, who has not only directed the wonderful Freak Out, the amazing store, but also the wonderful Fanged Up, which is out now and you can go watch. How are you doing, buddy? You all right? Good, buddy. Thanks. Yeah, all good. How are you? I'm all right. Last time we spoke, it was um, Christmas and you were on the Christmas special, which was a two hour marathon, which uh, people loved. Oh, good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. How has things been in terms of movies for you? Have you moved things forward? I know you were about to shoot. The project I had, uh, it was a sort of uh, a, a TV pilot, I think you could put it as, um, which was in development with a, a decorated author. That was uh, in the works and we got cancelled just before lockdown. We were due to start filming a week, a week and a half. But yeah, uh, sad to say, but that still might be happening. So we'll, yeah, we'll see. Well, fingers crossed that comes back. Um, yeah, I've been spending a long time, obviously in the edit at the moment for The Stranger in Our Bed. Yeah, how's it going? It's really well, really mm. well. It's wonderful to see it all come together and go, actually that, that works. That's really nice. A lot of it is really fantastic, if I do say so myself, at the moment, and it's a really rough edit, so I'm saying fantastic, because normally when you see a first cut or rough assembly of anything, you go, oh my god, this is horrible. So I feel in a really nicer place with it than now I can play. Me and Ollie, the editor, can really dive in. So I'm in a really good place with that. Writing a lot at the moment, scripts, uh, showreel, getting all sorts of stuff together so that as soon as things open up, soon because they, they're going to mm, yeah and even though now we can still make films right now um and tv you know it's harder it is difficult people are being a little bit more uh, wary uh, hence why yours got shut down but they, it is doable as long as you're prepared and ready i feel that that's uh, yeah you're in a good position to make that happen yeah for sure well we should get to today's episode with a fantastic jessica hines myself 
and CJ. Sit back, relax, and enjoy our wonderful chat because she is ace. Enjoy. Hi there. Hello. How are you doing? Very good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it's kind of sunny and um, beautiful, you know, as it often actually is in Folkestone. So I've just for a nice dog walk, which is really nice. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah. We've taken our dog out already, but it's not a nice day here in London. Um, this is CJ, uh, Christian James, otherwise known as CJ. Hi, Jessica. How you doing? You right? Good. How do you two connect? What's your story? Well, CJ's a director, um, and uh, back when I was acting, CJ uh, auditioned me, I suppose you could say. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, go that was what, for a, for a thing that never happened actually. But yeah, then it just we just um uh just hit it off. Was it something you were directing, CJ? Yeah, <clears throat> way back in the day, something you know, naively um had this. uh Jars, <laughs> we talked about this earlier. This uh, a film that was uh, way too ambitious, and uh, we were going to change the world as you do, and. Uh, uh, we were we were probably looking for millions of pounds, and but a film with a, just because of our friends were in it, and it was, yeah, uh, ex grads all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we're like, yeah, we're going to raise called? two million. Please tell me more about it because this is these are all the it's it's it's, it, it's fascinating, incredible to think of the kind of graveyard of these ideas. You know, um, I, I always think that's a credit to Luke Besson that the, the Fifth Element was was exactly that. Mm. Wasn't it? it was his fantastical dream that he had and he wrote down when he was 16 and he actually got to actually make it and it was brilliant yeah in fact two of them because it was um fifth element and valerian this was another one of his kind of uh i didn't watch valerian and i don't know why it was one of those where i thought i don't need to watch that but perhaps i was mistaken technically it's stunning but it does feel something somewhat like a uh, it's, it's written with the impatience of a 16-year-old. It's really weird, so it's very strange. Well, to... but, but Fifth Element doesn't feel like that at all, I don't think. It, it's, it's, it's um, you know, a kind of an imaginative sort of futuristic sci-fi classic, I would say. But yeah, so what was your film called? Was it... It wasn't Big Cats, was it? It was the one before Big, Big Cats. Cats. Oh, my God, I love it already. I want to see it. No, I think that was the next one. What was the one... But, the, but Big Cats did lead... So Big Cats was the big one. That was like... Because after the... After the one that didn't happen, which what I... What was it called? What was that called? Again? Well, I don't... I can't talk about... I think that script is still floating with somewhere. So I but don't we wanna... might see it. No, no, no. It hasn't been made, but I think it may be made one day. Basically, Jess, all we do is promote our own stuff. It's very true, Jess. Very true. And listen, um, look, talking of promoting films, The Fight is amazing. We do really want to dive into that because it's such a cool film. And the fact that it was your debut movie right i mean i know you've done so much on tv and i know but was it your i i was trying to figure it out and i presume it is but i just wanted to check with you yeah absolutely yeah it's the first film i've made there was perhaps a, a point where i was maybe trying to direct a short film and it, it was very difficult to, to get that going and um and that just kind of you know went by the wayside so uh when i kind of uh dived in with the fight I was just like here we go you know I'm just just gonna do it very much inspired by Alex Alice Lowe who actually interestingly had the same DOP Ryan Edelston um and uh his confidence <laughs> really helped as well similarly we had a very short sort of time frame that 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 whole kind of micro movie you know micro budget quick movie thing was really pioneered by Jamie Adams who was just absolutely passionate about trying to make movies um, with, you know, no money in a very small amount of time, which, you know, uh, is how you do it. 
you know, a, a five or six day shoot um, with a very clever, agile um, cinematographer and camera operator, aka Ryan Edelston. And and it's possible. And so Jamie, that was prolific, really, he could get funding and um, um, support um, by attaching um, a star that was bankable enough, at least for the for the for the, for the very small outlay for the budget. So the investors were were comforted by this, the presence of these kind of American stars who were happy to kind of fly over and do these films on the hoof because they were only a week commitment, you know, a week, maybe eight days commitment. So it's a very good, I think, model for micro-budget filmmaking. And for a time there was money there for that. It's changed now. But um, yeah, and, and I, I basically worked with Jamie on a, on a film he did. Um, it was initially, um, God, I can't remember the title of it, but it's Songbird now. I think it was called, it was originally a different title. And I worked on Songbird, met Ryan um, Edelson, um, no, I didn't meet Ryan Edelson on but actually. He came to me later. He had done all Jamie's films prior to that. There was a different DOP on Songbird. But basically, as a result of working with Jamie Adams, um, I um, got to meet his financier, Maggie. Maggie Monteith was financing all these micro-budget films for Jamie. And she sidled up to me in the kitchen on set and said, have you got any ideas? And I said, actually, as it happens, I do. Uh, which is kind of why I was there. I think I was actually very curious as to how Jamie was making all these films and how this was happening. And once he had, uh, you know, kind of, well, I'm sure he doesn't mind me saying this, but he basically stalked me like he does all his collaborators, you know, and he's just fearless and relentless. And he just says, so, you know, when we do this movie and you're like, Jamie, I, you know, I, slow down. I'm not sure, you know, but he's just got that really absolutely kind of that kind of determination and charm that, that eventually gets things done and and so yeah after I'd kind of agreed to do it I think subconsciously it was because I wanted to meet his financiers and I'm sure he kind of knew that too so when I sidled up to Maggie or Maggie sidled up to me and she said have you got any ideas I had one you know kind of percolating that I thought would be really good for the micro budget um model um, you know, it's all set in my hometown. So all the locations are walkable. Everything can be sort of localized and it could be done really quickly. And Jamie was really keen to, to be involved um, and support that exactly as he was with Alice. You know, he's a most generous collaborator, Jamie. He, he genuinely, um, enthusiastically wants other people to make films that they want to make. He wants to support creatives and Dolly Wells as well, of course. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, so it was, it was fantastic really. Um, so January, 2017, I think to July, 2017 was basically the turnaround from Maggie saying yes to principal photography. So that's, you know, extraordinary. And it was kind of exactly what I was dreaming of. And so, you know, to get there, um, was fantastic. How much of the, of the script was mapped out at that point? Was it, did you have it all written or was it? I got to write this as well. Pretty much, apart from one sequence and one scene, which we really was, was after the first couple of days filming, once we'd got footage done and we were really kind of, we were really finding our feet in our kind of 11 day, 12 day schedule, you know, well, we were finding our feet and really kind of, um, you know, uh, sort of, uh, it was going well. Um, I really realized we were coming, I think towards the end of the third day and this, this scene was coming up and we had Rona for one day only. She was flying over from LA for one day only. She was also one of the great sort of, um, you know, um, performers whose kind of IMDB rating, um, 
and kind of backlog of, of, of work and experience um, meant that she scored incredibly highly with investors and we were extremely Chronometra, we were very lucky to get her, but they flew her over for one day. Yeah, I, I had no idea. I, that's that's amazing because I would never have guessed she had her for one day, the way you peppered her throughout the film. You know, obviously I would have liked more time, but um, the, the one... Um, the one, uh, the one day we had her, there was a one particular scene that really, because I hadn't had time really to really consider it. And when I knew that we only had her for one day and I was thinking about the day's shoot and how realistically we were going to do it. And, I, and this scene was vital. It was, a, it, was a, it was a pivotal, important kind of dog leg, emotional moment that needed to happen. It, need, it needed to involve her. It needed to involve um, Tina. Um, initially, actually, it did involve Emma, but I realised that we didn't need her in the scene. It was really Tina, Jordan and, and um, Amanda who needed to be in that scene. So I sort of sat down and I said, we need to reimagine this. And so I basically sort of just talked it through and said, this is what we're going to do. Because I knew the location because obviously it was local to me. I understood and I'd walked around the location. Having been given this chance to make this tiny low budget film, I was right, like, walk, be able to walk around the locations and really get and understand the physicality and where camera could go and light would be and and just the nature of the locations was it was was really really useful and I said look the location there's it's 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 kind of many it's multi-layered so we can get some beautiful long shots you know think kind of Kurosawa through the forest you know in kind of you know sort of Yojimbo kind of down through the leaves and he was like oh god yes yes no I know I've got it I've got it and and I was like and this is what we're going to do this is what's going to happen and I mean I don't think I even wrote it down I think I wrote something vaguely down I said Dave we're changing the scene <laughs> he went okay I said I said I said and he was just relieved because I was just saying we don't need that actor we don't need that prop we don't need that other actor all we need is that that and that and he was like fine great so you know that that was really the only scene and that was a scene in in, in, the, in the river where um where Tina comes across Jordan and Amanda arguing through the trees and sees them and it's just a it's a moment of of, of change and rec reconciliation really for Tina the protagonist it's a moment where she can reflect and actually move through something which is what that the film needed at that point and why that scene was so important and why we couldn't have you know, put it together without that. And we needed really um, Amanda to be part of it. The only thing I didn't get, which is what I wanted amongst the many other things I didn't get, was a moment of reconciliation between Amanda and Jordan. And I wanted a shot where they were silently reconciled and literally, uh, you know, Amanda, brilliant actress who played Amanda, had to be on a train at 8, 8 p.m. She had to be on that train. I'm glad you get saddled with these issues too. Oh, it's nice to hear that. Like, um, very quickly, Jess, oh, so, uh, A, we should say spoilers for the film, but should we jump back and just credit, can you tell us quickly what the film's, just I suppose give us a, a in a nutshell outline of, of, of the fight? I suppose it's about um, a family and a mother who is facing the, the, the stress of her daughter being bullied at school, then realises that, that her daughter is is being bullied by the daughter of, of, of someone she has a very complicated history with. Um, and so while she's kind of, uh, you know, a little bit stretched out and, and tense um, and harbouring perhaps her own personal kind of baggage at the beginning of the film, uh, this news about... Um, uh, her daughter Emma being bullied really exacerbates it and when she finds out that there's a connection between somebody she has some very very key and pivotal memories of it, it it stresses her out even further and it really just kind of raises the stakes and it means that she has to kind of transcend 
her, the dysfunction of her history in order to deal with the circumstance of her present. And she does that by boxing training, really. Um, so the boxing training is a bit of a red herring. I think, uh, you know, I, I remember talking about it and being, wanting to make, make it really clear that this is not a conventional boxing film, you know. It's great. It works so well. Yeah, it really does. Well, yeah. thank you. Yeah. I mean, that was another thing. I mean, we only had one day in the boxing ring as well. So that was, although we eventually had to negotiate another day, because I got punched in the face. <laughs> oh, gosh. I got punched in the face uh, by a darling, actual real boxer called Jessica, also called Jessica, who wasn't a trained, um, uh, you know, um, stunt artist, but and was so much better for it. Thank God we had her because she looked like a real boxer and was a real boxer. And we had work, worked out and coordinated some moves and, and we're one day in the ring and she you know, clocked me. And I've actually still got a little dimple scar. But, but basically my face sort of started to push my headgear out to the side. And uh, we just had to scramble and reschedule because uh, we couldn't really film that day all the previous scenes in the boxing ring. So, and that was probably claimable, I think, on insurance. And so we did get another half a day in the boxing room. But, um, but yeah, so she, 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 she goes um, to the boxing room to, to train and you realize that actually the demons um, are not just about Amanda, they're about her parents, about her past, about the very, very dysfunctional dynamic in her own family, um, in particular with her own mother. And that's really what the film becomes about. It becomes about her um, trying to deal with and move through this crippling dysfunction, which is ultimately caught up with her. Um, and needing the strength, both physical kind of and emotional, to do that. And she finds that strength by sparring in the boxing ring. So can I get you anything else? I'm looking for another toy boy. <laughs> That's the top of my list at the moment. <laughs> Jason. Oh, don't get it. Ow, Jason, ow. you get dressed now, please. I missed you just the play the other day. Don't you remember when you're angry? Okay. No, no, I'm not okay. I'm gonna kill someone. Tina. I'm leaving your father. Right. I've got to go now. Tina? Yeah, bye. Anger's not a bad thing, but if you don't control it, it controls you. Dad, what are you doing here? What have you done? Your mum's thrown me out. You need a break, okay? I don't even know who we are anymore. I just feel like I'm just this tired, angry monster. Tina! Just keep walking, sweetheart. I'm just broken. Your mother had a very difficult life. I'm not that person anymore. We need to move on. Tommy! Tommy, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Life is so bloody hard. You still want to learn to fight? Yeah. First lesson, give up guilt. I'm doing this for us. You know, somebody's got to fight. You haven't changed, have you? I have spent a lifetime living my dreams up here. something I I never really understood before
it's brilliant. It's such a brilliant debut movie for nothing else. But I just want wanted to run down the cast list so people understand when we're saying names of people when they haven't seen it because they will be seeing it after they've listened to this. Obviously, you play the protagonist, uh, Tina Bell. We've got Rona Mitra, who plays Amanda. Uh, and then we have her daughter, which is Liv, uh, played by Jordan, Jordan Chadwick, as was your daughter in the movie, uh, Senia Nanua. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Fantastic, amazing. So cool. Young woman as well as amazing actress. Yeah, absolutely. Then we've got Sean Parks as your husband. Um, Sally Phillips as a teacher of Robert James Collier as Sean Parks's uh, work colleague. Anita Dobson as your mum. Alice Lowe as uh, a homeschool teacher in there. And then we have the fantastic Christopher Fairbank as your father. And Kathy Tyson. What a coup to get him. And then Kathy Tyson. You know Tyson why he agreed to do it? Boxing instructor. No, go on, please. He said, he said, I've never seen anybody deal with this kind of abuse. He said, I've never seen anybody actually touch on what it feels like when you're a man to be terrified emotionally and physically by a woman that you're in a long-term relationship with. He said, and that's why I want to do this. That's gorgeous. There were so many of those moments in this movie that surprised us. Me and CJ were talking about it before we came on air, is that there was where you thought it was going down a certain route, and then it just turned on its head. And not to put spoilers in, but wow, it was just like, oh, oh, that was just so delightful. Thank you, guys. Oh, you, you make me cry it's not I, guys i'm sorry to have to tell you this it's not hard yeah. <laughs> let's do it let's do it uh, toilets there's a blockage we can't get in i really um, i really felt like it was um it was as i sat down to watch it, i really felt like it was going to be okay she's going to train to box she's going to face off the old school bully and not that it again i was happy i was ready for that and quite because boxing films often are their strength is the by the numbers and what you can do that by the numbers formula so I was expecting that and it wasn't and every time I was you know as Giles was saying earlier yeah you were you there's a, there's a few nice surprises in there which totally turn it on its head not perfectly turn it on its head had you had you always had that in mind when you were writing let's go back to you writing because you've always written obviously you wrote space or you're involved in you know you all wrote that together and you've, you've written learners and other bits and pieces you've always been involved in that side of it had you have you written feature films before not really, not like this. Um, I, um, you know, I, I, I've had ideas, lots of ideas, but um, to actually, I, I, I think where this was different is, is I was so um, uh, sort of electrified and and just um, excited that I was going to also direct it. I can't explain the bliss and joy of that in having a freedom to say, um, to know that I was going to be behind the camera when everything was going to happen, to know that, that what I was trying to explain and express that I was going to be able to play through on screen, um, that, that freedom um, um, and, and opportunity was, was electrifying and, and, and different from, from, from how I felt when I was just writing because it, it feels like there's so much. And what I learned as well when I was filming was, was, you know that the key thing that everybody tells you but you don't really learn until you do it is 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 it story in pictures you're telling the story in pictures and you 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 know i felt that my confidence in that notion grew immeasurably it just in in the days that i was filming i understood that 
as every day went past and I look at the film and I think that the, the, the areas that, that I engage with and am, and am most pleased with are those areas where I, where you don't need words. You don't need words. You, you, you're telling the story in pictures. It sounds very trite and obvious, but I, I think it's, I think as a writer, it's much harder. In a way, it's harder to tell that story in pictures on the page. And when you get a chance to be a writer director, you can really make that, um, make those decisions and 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 make those calls when you're on set um, in in a way that you just don't get, you can't really when you're when you're when you're a writer trying to communicate to a director because it's the director who will then carry it that much further and then make those kinds of choices. How do you translate that in the script? So when you it's a great point because the the film is really visual and so performance driven and so so much is said in what isn't said so how do you communicate that to your cast to your producers i am very shot driven it could be a problem or not i don't know but i think in terms of shots i write in terms of how things are going to look on screen which i think is perhaps why i have ended up directing because i think instinctively i've always i've always written like that i think a lot of writers now are so cinema and and and, and screen literate that inevitably writers will do that because they they think of stories in terms of shots and and, and screen um, as as much as the director might I suppose I suppose and so I, I remember working a lot with a producer called Ruth Caleb um, who is an amazing an amazing um, BBC producer and has made some incredible films I was lucky enough to be in Tomorrow La Scala which was one of the films she produced. Um, I think she also produced Learners and she, you know, she's one of those incredible, formidable producers who, who, who used to, one of her, one of her sayings was, um, a no is just a delayed yes, which, <laughs> which, which for filmmakers is, has to be your mantra, right? I mean, a no is a delayed yes. I mean, not even like a maybe, it's going to be a yes. Just give it some time. If there's something you want, just keep going for it. But she was also fantastic on script and storytelling and actually so many notes that she would give me when I was writing to when I was writing with her as a writer not as a director uh are the ones I remember um and 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 you know when you you know when you work with a really good producer and on a, on a script you know you kind of begin to especially over a long period of time you begin to second guess their notes you think oh I know what they're going to say so I might as well do it now I you know and they're right you know uh or you go I know what they're going to say and actually there's a good reason why I'm not going to do what I think they're going to say and then I'm going to be able to hear it but her notes were always fantastic and I think that's how I approach things you know just just stage by stage just remembering all the kind of great notes I've ever been given by producers um and just always trying to keep a very very um forward momentum kind of narrative with 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 characters that 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 are that are constantly in kind of folding back in on each other. Uh, did you put notes on your wall before you started to sit down and write this? Had you written out a treatment or did you just dive in? I actually wrote a script, to be honest. I mean, they said, don't write a script. I was like, I've written a script. I've written a script. I've written dialogue. I've written a script. You know, um, uh, um, and some actors really, really responded to it um, and, and liked having a script and wanted to say the lines. And then and then in other cases, you know, the lines did not serve this, the scene well enough. Um, and I felt you know, bad in that instance, because obviously, you know, then I'm putting those actors in a position where I'm saying, okay, I don't know what I'm going to say, but you know, you just say that. And then I'm going to think of what I'm going to say, but you just keep saying that anyway. You know, obviously that's not the ideal way to work, I suppose. No, you're right. Not all actors are capable of improvising or uh, finding or willing, things. Or willing. Or willing. 
to yeah. do that. But, no. um, you know, I, I, I was lucky in that everyone was willing to do that. Did you know that was your style going in? And did you prep them for that? I mean, as in, were they... Yes, absolutely. I said, absolutely. I said, this is the script. You can follow it if you want to the letter, but we can play around on the day if you feel more comfortable doing that, you know. Um, and, uh, and, and really, my focus was them constantly. Um, you know, I, I think it genuinely, if I could not have been in the film, I would not have been in the film. But I think that part of the deal was is that, that, that I was also in the film. You know, like I said, you know, three for the price of none, which mm. is basically <laughs> yeah. what, it, what it was. How was that directing? Because uh, Same to you, Giles. Because I never, I cannot get my head around directors directing themselves and how because when i'm you know directing something be it a film commercial whatever there's so much going on i cannot comprehend having to then step in front of the camera you literally forget that you're doing it you leave all your shots to the end you you, you try and be in it as little as possible (laughs) yeah but you're in every scene you're almost in every scene pretty much yeah but i i i I would well i would i would absolutely focus and concentrate on finding um you know the moments with the other actor and and making the other uh, making the actors feel really comfortable in doing what they were doing and then by then you know we would have a very clear idea about where i needed to be in relation um positionally and and also perhaps also kind of emotionally to the other actor and then we'd go right turn around and i would get one take two takes maybe if i was lucky you know and and then we'd just move on because that's had to, that's how it had to be and actually it was quite liberating working like that if i'm honest yeah well you had to your character's quite you know it's quite down as well you know you it's not like happy go lucky or i can bouncing no design on that just how it came out i really, I really <laughs> <laughs> but it was yeah it, moving on <laughs> yeah just take what you've got and move on but but was there a, but because obviously you've you you know you're a lovely person you're bouncing around but yet you've got to play this darker character was that fine to jump in and out of that i mean you've been doing it your whole life yeah it was fine it was fine but you play characters with a lot of it i mean you've got a lot of a lot of energy yourself i think that comes across on screen in a lot of the characters you've played but in this i suppose i get your point giles you're playing i've i haven't seen you do stuff like this as much so a you're giving out a terrific performance and b you're directing too so you're giving it something quite unique in you that i've not seen you do so much before uh i mean i'm sure you know you have done things along these lines but certainly it feels um you know a a bit more of a challenge and then and how do you not playing a more sombre character? How do you not? How does that then not bleed into? Okay, cut. Great, right, guys, got to turn around, and do another shot. How do you then snap into normal Jessica? Just from having 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 you know been an actor for so long that you know you you you, you know very obviously I I knew the the the, the scenes and I understood perhaps you know um, what the scenes entailed. I mean I was always cutting my lines constantly. <laughs> really, Thank just God. get rid of it. Get rid yeah. of it. Yeah. I'll just cutting say it. nothing. You're not yeah. going to say no. I'm not going to say anything. Just 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 yeah. Just the fight. That's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Just, just do that. Don't need it. Don't need it. Don't need it. You know, um, which is, which is, which is often the case. It's true. In the edit, you get then you go. Oh, I wish I hadn't got them to say. Oh that well, line. the edit. Yeah. 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 With with Anna Dick, who was the at first and, and main editor, there was um, we had a we had a director come on late on um, for for a week or two. But Anna was the main editor, and um, but uh, me and Anna had a lot of fun talking. And, and our joke was mainly, you know, I would always whenever. We, we were kind of there were times when you know we you naturally you look through footage of and you know takes of of um you know all the actors because you're trying to you know make 
make the scene in the edit and and i was always very disparaging about myself <laughs> in the in the, in the first uh, first person way she didn't do well there look <laughs> oh jesus will you stop it's just da, 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 too much too much you know um but which would entertain us and make us laugh but it's it, it, i think that's probably the most painful thing is editing do you have to lean on anna a lot i think she would put things in that i would take out sometimes. yeah she would say, whoa, 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 slow down. Hold on a minute. And I'd go, yeah. And she'd go, no, no. I think that's objectively speaking. And obviously she was more objective and, as an editor because she wasn't both the performer and the director, which is what I was. Uh, I, sometimes we would really agree on things when they worked and they were great. And then there were times when perhaps I was a bit harsh. But um, but I but I loved the freedom of being able of being completely unselfconscious as a performer. I think that was the that was the part on set that I liked the most is that I really don't like to think about how I look or what I look like. I really don't like to have a function that is about how I look at all. I like to be free, and in that sense, this was massively liberating. Well, then that's lovely to hear because those scenes specifically, you know, there's so many in there that you just excelled. It was so great to see you do that. But also with like your dad and the scene when your mum came in, those kind of scenes where you just stood there listening was just heartbreaking and beautiful. Revelation, right? Wasn't she amazing? Wasn't she amazing? But this is the thing. So I was surprised as well. But why are we surprised? Because she, you know... She's been on the stage for years. I've seen her do loads of stuff on the stage. She hasn't done much of this. Yeah, because... She's so good. Brilliant. Yeah. And I was scared. I was genuinely like, you, I'm, I think this is the, I was sort of, I felt sorry for her, but then by the end I'm scared of her, which is like, oh, that's, yeah, it's, that it's was amazing. Absolutely. That was absolutely exactly how I wanted to shoot that. Like almost like a horror film. Yeah. It's like a yeah. thriller. Yeah. Like her presence becomes this kind of looming, terrifying, you know, um, sort of, um, like monstrous monstrous matriarch when the little girl comes in and goes oh yeah your characters tina went back to that level of oh i have got to be strong i'm the parent now but yet at the same time that's your mum, and you went so down to a little an girl incredible happy accident as well when we were filming there because when i when i found that location because i was pretty much a location finder and i found that flat through a friend i said i really need i need a really quiet flat with no airplanes over just dead quiet and then my friend said oh my friend's my friend's got a flat and i went around and so i was like great and i saw opportunities for depth of filming and i thought yeah we could do this i was like we'll paint that wall we'll paint that wall I was like, you up for that? You okay? Can we paint there? Can we paint that? Like, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Could you give me the cash? I don't yeah, know. exactly. Yeah. So I was like, fine. <laughs> so, so, but there was a fantastic happy accident that really fed into that confrontation scene where, where I, I was like, I need the dad coming down from the garden. I need him coming outside because all the window was blocked up in the blind. I said, so we need to take all of that off. So it was like off, off, off. And they, everyone's were clean, frantically cleaning it, cleaning up the glass um, because I wanted to create the, the biggest possible triangle um, between the three kind of the, the depth and the distance. And, and this fantastic accident when the dad comes back down the steps and the mum and Tina are staring at each other. And then the dad comes down into the, into the crosshairs mm. of the dash window. Yes. And it was like, that is brilliant, you know, and he's basically kind of in her sights. Sights going to shoot him. Yeah. And it was like, it, I think filming like this is, is, is often when those kinds of little magical little things can happen. You know, when you're not too 
sort of overburdened with um, you know planning and pre-planning you can you can you can move and adjust and and, and make the most of those things I suppose yeah well but those happy accidents sometimes are the best you can plan and plan and plan and then suddenly something happens and you go look at that you see something new that you'd never seen it's just wonderful things like that are incredible we talk talking there about you know shots and planning let's talk about working with Ryan Edelson here your 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 DOP let's talk about him because you as a director obviously when you're acting you're doing your scenes he's also working the camera and looking and obviously you've talked about it but talk to me about your preparation with him and then how you were on set from the minute I spoke to him on the phone he said tell me all your inspiration he said I want to know what films you want to want me to watch I want to know what you want to capture I want to know how you want to do it I want to know and I said I said I I absolutely from the beginning I said I want this to look as filmic and beautifully lit as we possibly can I said I don't want this to feel handheld I don't want this to feel um, I want this to feel as grand and cinematic as we can possibly make it, you know, and if it takes us, I said, right from the word off, I said, go word off the word, no, off. the word off, the word off, <laughs> right from the word off. Um, I, said, I said, if it takes us, you know, an hour to, 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 to light something. And then I only have 15 minutes to get the scene. I said, I would rather do that than, 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 than something not look as beautiful as it possibly could. I said, I've got, I did absolutely, you know, like, and, 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 and basically I was true to my word, you know, like every turn as well, because, because he, I mean, I, 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 I got him to watch Apu, the Satajit Ray trilogy. Sure. Yeah. And he was like, wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he was like, no, no, I'm well into that. And he just, because he so absorbed that as an inspiration, he was, he would, he would, um, while we were, basically um setting up shots he would then say do you want a close-up of the little boy you know do would you like shall i get um some lavender because there's a lot of nature still shots of nature so in terms of a collaborator creative collaborator collaborator he could not have been more willing able and 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 enthusiastic about um you know getting on board with my creative vision like he was just not only you know brilliantly skillful and quick you know he was interested in 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 what i visually wanted in a way that was just 150% supportive um and i think made the experience just fantastic really as a creative experience because he was so willing to engage and and um you know uh, uh, he would kind of get uh, uh, lavender and bumblebees on the, on the rushes and then i would watch them i would say as, as, uh, and then i would go okay nice lavender shots too much moving you know slow down more bees you know and 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 you know so there were those details and he was just like yeah great absolutely happy to do that talked about color a lot and i said which is why you know i had the walls painted in the flat and i was like very important to 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 really i also had a really great um colorist um who uh, was it max oh what was the reason behind the i really liked it by the way i thought it was great we did but... a lot of grading we did a lot of color grading once the film finished so we got to pop out the colors but the whole inspiration of the film was the red walls of that mm. the gym, yeah that itself was sort of part of how and why i wanted to film in there because it was just so beautiful the light and the color but you know so color was a massive part of of how we would try and frame things up but also post-production i had a fantastic colorist and we max horton yeah that's it max i couldn't remember second name max but we managed to draw um you know draw those colors out but for an example an example of say how me and um ryan would work together we were in the factory 
a local a local um boss had agreed to to come and let us film for free in his plamel factory and even we we employed a couple of his workers on a, on a sort of an essay basis so we paid them an essay wage to come and be in the background of uh, mixed work in conversation with his other workmates. And one of them is um, played, uh, is ca kind of casually sort of, it's casual sort of everyday racism that Mick doesn't really ever confront, but he is uncomfortable with it. You know, that's all I can say without giving too much away about the scene. And it's kind of working scene. And I was looking at the set and I was thinking it would, it's a perfect tracking shot. And we had a movie. Nice. Um, okay. Uh, no tracks, only ever a movie, but but that was kind of enough. And I was like, right, we, we're we're going to. I want to track down through the through the through the factory, following them. And this was the point at which the first and I he hadn't quite uh, got. I suppose got the measure of me at that point. And he was like, we've only got an hour to do the scene. I was like, well, okay. Well, how long does it take to get the movie up? And uh, Ryan said it'll probably take about forty-five minutes to set everything up. I said, well, that's fine. We'll get the movie set up. For in 45 minutes I'll rehearse the scene with the actors and the time and then we'll shoot it in 10 minutes and 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 Ryan was like I can do that and I was, I was like we can do that okay David that's what's <laughs> gonna happen he was like oh, oh. Yeah, <laughs> honest, once we did that yeah he did, saw you could do it literally we did we rehearsed it you know again and again and again for timing while the uh Movi was getting set up you know, and David saw we got it in the first take. We did two others. We didn't need them. The first one was perfect, and you know, it basically tra it tracks down through the through the boxes with them, and then pans round as they all exit out into the the big kind of factory sort of backlit with a white thing. And and the scene is 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 a tiny, lovely little scene, and it's beautiful. It's perfect. You know, and I I had the confidence in Ryan to 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 say, you know, he had Kev. Kev who was his lighting, who was chief gaffer lighting. Guru, person, yeah, did everything, yeah. I mean, just there, on the pot, getting the poles up, getting the whole thing set up, <laughs> you know, zero seconds flat. It's, it's amazing when you can get a team like that and they're so on it, but what you said there about rehearsals, and it's so hard on an indie film to, to have rehearsals you just don't it's, like you say you're flying in rona for a day from la so when the cameras are being set up it's a perfect time to rehearse yeah well so by the time your camera's up it's like well he's seen you do those the actors are ready we're ready for you let's go you know i i i always think that you know like um you know there's there's i, I love rehearsing is that from experience jess because you've been on sets where you haven't you know you're thinking well we could have rehearsed right now and, and it, have you wasted a lot of time on sets where you're like i could be rehearsing yeah I mean, it's, it's it's different every time, and which which is why, to be honest, I love what I do, you know, because there's nothing the same. Every director is different. Every set is different. Everybody works differently. Actors work differently, you know. Um, you know, the process is 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 obviously there's parallels in the process because it's well, you're, what you're trying to do is tell the story always in one way or another. Um, but everybody does that in a completely different way um, and approaches it in a different way. But um, yeah, when you when you do have such a tight budget and such a short time frame, you know, you just have to use every single second, and and uh, you know, and and it it it's liberating being able to do that, having the opportunity to do that. I'm fascinated as well because I, there's no doubt in my mind that you can give actors everything they need and more. So that sort of thing's covered. When it comes to the technical side of things, because I again I remember like a, I think I heard an Alec Baldwin interview and he's saying he knows so much about the camera just by virtue of standing being on next set. to yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So do you think, had you, did you have to go out your way to learn anything technical to do this? Because with that tight budget and schedule in mind. Okay, this is embarrassing, but you know, I, I, I 
I'm, I'm an honest person. I'm telling you honestly. This is the only technical thing uh, uh, that, that, that I, the only technical thing, I was working with Ben Miller on Paddington 2 and I was basically gearing up to, to do uh, the fight. And I was saying to Ben, I'm just about to direct a feature film. You know, so I said, I said, I, he said, wow. I said, yeah. I'm, and I've known Ben for years because I used to work on Armstrong and Miller sketch show, you know, back yeah, in the day. And so I was saying, I've got to make a confession. I, I said, I said, can you just explain to me in like, and this is like only a couple of years ago, <laughs> just in terms of the camera, exactly what does crossing, crossing the line, the line. <laughs> <laughs> even though you've probably done it a billion times or not he done said, it yet he said i just it's like offside it's he said it's like the offside rule i oh, said good yeah it's good i said i said i know that i don't know what the fucking offside rule is either <laughs> and then he said it's so simple and then he explained it to me and i was i was like is it that simple he said yes i was like <sighs> and that was it that was the only thing i was worried about because i was in my mind thinking i don't quite like visually literally no and then i knew and then i was like i i know everything else why we're making our very first feature film which was all shot on 60 mil and it was so we just couldn't afford to make it i sort of didn't didn't know the 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 rule exactly so i, I ducked out for a weekend and i made a short film with with dan who i who i sort of worked collaborated with we made a series of sort of these little short films and i was secretly really just learning how to work my way around that rule but not telling anybody because I don't actually totally fully <laughs> and then I got it yeah when you first start why would you know the yeah. rules why would you people get it so wrong it's amazing but I think yeah. it works if you've got two people in the room talking you're not gonna fuck it up but when you bring a third or a fourth person into a scene then as an inexperienced director you're like oh now what do I do you know because I've shot it all this side and that becomes a problem so I think you, you have to have that you need to know where you can fail rather than that so you can get stuck very very quickly if you're not careful you can so it sounds like you had so much fun with ryan you trusted him which is so important to do that with your dp to anyone on set your first your every crew member your gaffers uh, even your essays when i was doing when i was in the boxing gym my brother is a is a is, is also a director and, a, and an editor and i told him that i was making my film and i said i've got a day in a boxing gym i said i'm directing it but i'm also doing fight sequences and boxing in the ring i said and i really need another pair of eyes i need an editor behind the camera making sure i'm getting all the shots because i want to be able to cut this together i want to be able to fight cut these fights in sequences together and i said and there are eyes in the room i said but i i want an editor there and i would like you to be there could you could you could you do me a favor and come down for the day's filming and he said he said of course i will of course i will i'll make sure that you've got what you need so you can you can you know like whether it's just an extra cutaway shot um uh, uh, you know over the shoulder or whether it's a cutaway to a glove or um, making impact or whatever it is. I said, I said, obviously to a certain extent, I, I'm going to be across that. I said, but, but as I am in the ring with headgear on getting punched in the face, I said, it, it, I can't, I, I, I will not feel 100% that I know by the end of the day that I've got what I need unless you're there or unless someone else is there just, just making sure. So he said, yeah, I'll come. So he came um, for the day. He's a prolific sort of editor, director. He's worked on sets all his life. He's great. He was, he was really taking on board the, the the help he was giving me so he was asking questions to, about the lighting guys he was asking and they knew he was coming but at the same time eyebrows within the first half an hour ryan and his team were kind of like what the fuck is happening <laughs> jessica is our director this dude who is supposed to be coming and just kind of observing is what we would say you know kind of interfere you know what the f like and jim my brother is like a 
as, as a kickboxer, you know, and he's he's quite a, you know, he's quite a, he, I'm sure he wouldn't mind being called an alpha male. He's an alpha male. Ryan, I heard from the corner, he said, right, that's it. <laughs> Shit. I do not like alpha males. I do not appreciate your voice on this set. He said, there's one voice I want to hear. It's Jessica's. I do not, he like just dominated. Wow. I turned around and to be honest, I by then had really got the measure. I, I loved Ryan. I like totally loved him as a man. I know my brother, Jim. He is also a wonderful man. So I knew this was not going to end badly. I just was like, to be honest, I was kind of enjoying it. I'm taking punches in the face, but you're taking punches with words. Oh, you know, <laughs> it, the thing is, Jim didn't take it personally. He was basically saying he wasn't into arrogant male energy. And my brother is a wonderful human fantastic person he knows i love him and i know that's not what he is he was just doing what he thought i wanted him to do and short term it probably came across that in that sort of alpha kind of ryan was protecting not only me but also his crew and saying don't worry guys jess is still in charge i'm still in charge this guy's here to help not to boss everyone around and uh, jim jim's feathers were totally unruffled he just went quiet he ryan just said what he had to say i didn't get involved at all at all at any point i never said anything i just was like hey and then jim was like don't worry mate you know okay and ryan was like are we clear and jim said absolutely clear and that was it that was the end and then by the end of the day they were like best friends you know? <laughs> <So> <laughs> they nice. totally loved each other and we got the shots and i got punched in the face and tyson who you forgot to mention who was phenomenal on that yes. day you know yes. and, and a great like and gave a great performance and you know we actually shot that scene where she's on top of the stairs and she's looking down at me that was the one that was a lot that was the scene that was shot after i got punched in the face that was the only one we thought we could get away with before my eye just went i'm still amazed you shot all that in one day we, we had one day filming and then we had half a day i supposedly a half a day to pick up what we lost after i'd got punched it was intense it also it opens up so much possibility because you kind of think if you plan and you have a clear vision particularly if you have a clear vision about the emotional beats you want and you have a clear vision about how you can tell the story um uh with those emotional moments and you know that you 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 really every time you 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 get to a scene, you know what the vital moments are, which is often the privilege of a writer director. Often, as a director, you're still searching for those, and you're following the script in order to find them, maybe in the editor, edit. But as a writer director, particularly if you're close to the project, you know what those emotional moments are, so you know what you need, absolutely need, and are much more able and in a position to say, okay. We don't need that. We don't need that scene. I don't need to ask anyone. I don't need to ask permission. And I don't need to think about it. I can tell you right away, if we're running out of time and we've got that, that, and that, that we don't need. If we get that, great. But that is what we do need. And, that, and we'll have a hole in the film if we don't get that. Then I think if you have that confidence to know the emotional story you're telling and how you're going to tell it, it, it means that you can move that quick. And the advantages are, you know, for example, you know, there's a scene in a tunnel between Tina and Amanda where there's a confrontation 
And the weather and wind was incredible on that day. It was like the trees were really, you know, really up. And there was a massive amount of wind in the trees. And there was sunshine coming through the trees and kind of dappling the lane. And it was really kind of um, energized, you know. It was was a really energized uh, moment in the day. And because we had a short time to film that moment in the day, whereas if we'd been on a conventional schedule, by the time we turned around, the wind would have probably dropped and the sun would have moved and the moment would be a kind of, um, then we would be facing different issues and problems of matching and trying to compensate. So in that respect, you know, when you're moving that quickly, you, you're able to capture an energy and of, of nature, really, um, which is often really difficult when you're really shackled to a kind of a heavier, longer, you know, track sort of laden schedule. So I, 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 I without being over positive, which is probably one of my worst qualities. And, you know, obviously there's massive drawbacks to the whole process with a low budget, both in production and post-production. But, you know, that is definitely something I would say I enjoyed is that, is that, is that, that immediacy of light and, 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 and weather and wind. Um, so there, there are many positives. Also, when you have a, direct, a, a DOP like Ryan, who's ready for it. So look, obviously you, you want to direct again, I take it. Do you want to do, do you want to do another movie? Yeah, I want to do another movie or, you know, I'm just starting to think about, um, you know, I feel like a sort of like the, the sort of, um, the uncertainty of, uh, of, of, you know, everyone. I've had a couple of acting gigs and I'm now just thinking about what I want to do next. And but, you know, I've got a couple, I've got a TV thing that I'm working with, with on a right with a writer and hopefully potentially that's something might, that might evolve into a directing gig. And the moment we're just kind of talking and um, there's one thing that I really want to write up as a film, but you know, that's another thing I wanted to ask you about is it's, it feels like there's so much TV that, you know, the film is an, it's an interesting phenomenon now, you know, movies um, are not quite as, um, you know, TV is the kind of thing. Lucrative and this is easier to get them made, right? Made, isn't it? So that's a, that's a tricky thing. Um, it feels like there's a certain kind of budget and, and nature of, of, of um, and type of film, uh, which, which is more likely to get made. And I think that micro budget, a sort of window but maybe temporarily has kind of closed so i don't know you know we'll I, see. Thought, I think with i think with tv i think in fact giles and i had this discussion before we came on air but um um it feels like so with every feature i've done it feels like you build up this head of steam you make the movie and it's like poof, it's just out done and that's it whereas i think with tv there feels like you can write something a you're not as restricted in terms of um, obviously, we're all restricted in terms of budget, but certainly in terms of, of time and scale. You know, this, there's a there's a bigger canvas to tell your story, and also you can dip back into it without feeling cheap or something. That's kind of the way it sort of feels like, in a way. Yeah, I think there's a fine line for, for you know something like the fight. It, it'd be very difficult to make on TV because of all the unions and the rules. But then you go that little bigger level in terms of budgets and scale, etc., and having cranes and all sorts. And suddenly the feature film can then play to a bigger scale in terms of the cinemas when they come back round, which can then sell, which is better for the filmmakers. Often in TV with a someone who's written it or film it, it, it there's it, there's not much afterlife sometimes of these things whereas the film can go on you know much like i don't know i don't know if i'm talking around in circles but i feel that indie films at this level sort of have to be made by let's kick bollocks scramble let's go make it and that's what the joy is what would you take forward from 
to your next film that you've learned from making the fight? Image, you know, telling it in pictures. Just like massively, you don't need words. You know, they get in the way many most times, you know, and, and it doesn't matter how many times somebody tells that to you, it's really hard to know. But I know that now. And I know that, 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 that you know, you can tell once you understand your world and your characters and the emotional story you're going to tell, you can tell that on screen. People, you can tell that story in, in pictures. You don't have to spell anything out, you know, um, because everything comes across if you know what you're trying to, to, to explore. So uh, it's exciting. I think, I think when I think about what I, I might want to do next, I mean, and at the moment I'm kind of writing around it. I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, there's a story and characters that I want to explore. But again, I think a lot of people probably with, um, you know, stories and ideas are thinking, oh, could I write it for TV? Because is it, is it, is it more likely to get made? You know, I'm more likely to. So it's, it's really just, I think, exploring, you know, that possibility if you want to, but also maybe having the confidence to go, no, it's a film. It's definitely a film. It could be a film and it should be a film. An idea I'm playing around with is bigger budget, but I'd love to make another really low budget. I don't know what the market is for that. And I don't know what, where the opportunities are. For I don't that. know I don't... if it matters what the market is. Because I think if you just, some, it's always, if, if you chase... I, I just don't know who's <laughs> going to give me the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? But then, like I said, TJ's right sometimes chasing, oh, the vampire film's hot now, let's do that. Or this type of... Sometimes actually having, like, the fight came out of nowhere in terms of there wasn't any films like that you know so therefore that was already more interesting than everyone else who was doing a paranormal activity I, I, I really you know I hold on to things you know like I'm sure like we all do you know like you're holding on like like um, not Big Cat but the one that you won't tell me about yes. <laughs> there's something very much about um, wanting somehow to feel like you can give them life at some point you know you can, you can introduce them as, 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 a, as a concept to, to an audience or, you know, um, at some point down the line, you'll be able to. So uh, I suppose I kind of like, um, you know, I, I, I've got these, this, this particular idea and these characters and I'm, and, um, and I, and I'm, I'm kind of writing it out. To be honest, I'm writing it out in prose right now. I, I felt like for the, in the last year, I didn't know really when I would get a chance to kind of actually film it. It's often just about, you know, just sitting down and getting on with it and writing it down and as a film and then just, seeing seeing where it leads yes sometimes that's the best way just get it out you know get the story out there's a story in you i give get that advice all the time and then never ever take it <laughs> yeah <laughs> but at least we're saying it out loud yeah. eventually we might take that advice jess honestly this has been fantastic thank you so much for your oh, time it's been a pleasure um jess are you on socials in any way can people find you on i the... am not on socials i'm not on socials uh i can be found i mean if you want to get in contact with me you can always find me um through independent um talent group through smear she represents me and she passes all information everything to me so that's right. the best way to contact me in that way and on that um you can follow us on twitter at filmmakers pod um amazing so yeah do go do that if you're on twitter and you don't feel it's oh, the spawn God, of satan it's been so nice talking to oh, you it's, it's been a pleasure it's been really good it's been actually. It's real been, yeah. pleasure i've really enjoyed oh, that a lot made me feel magic i feel magic and you should do because the fight is really cool it's out now amazon prime go watch it remember if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well it's just duty as jess has done to send the elevator back down you can go make your indie film you can make it happen go do it next week's podcast we have the absolutely delightful matthew butlerhart and the equally delightful tory butlerhart talking all about their latest movie that they filmed in lockdown infinitum 
Subject Unknown, which they filmed with just the two of them. Oh yeah, and they also got Ian McKellen to star in it. (laughs) So that's next week's episode for you. I am going to go and get some sun in Folkestone and uh, (laughs) take my dog for a walk down there. Um, In the meantime, thank you all so much for listening. You're all amazing. CJ, thank you, buddy. Thanks, pleasure. Thanks, Jess. Thanks. Take care, everyone. See you next Tuesday. Bye.